Hi, I'm Isaac. I'm Ryan. I'm Brandon. I'm Caleb, and this is the King's Advocate Podcast. Uh, Like we always do, we want to start off with a quick disclaimer and just let you guys know that we are not biblical scholars. Uh, We're just students of the Word, and we like to study the Bible and talk about it together and hopefully uh, incite some some thought and study from you, the audience, as well. Uh, Today, we're going to be going over a topic that was requested by us um, over the book of Ruth. So we're going to be going over the story and then uh, kind of summing up uh, what it means to us and, and what we can draw from it. So we're going to go ahead and start off with chapter one, and I'm going to go through that briefly. Um, starting off, we'll look at just a few of the, a little bit of the context and characters. So it says in the first verse, this is in the day when the judges ruled. So uh, this is pretty early on, and basically there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem, and there was a character there named Naomi, who was an Israelite, uh, and her... If I can stop you right there. Sure. Before you go too far into it, if you go to the last verse in Judges, Mm -hmm. it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, which Mm -hmm. really sets, you know, the 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 point in time of what's going on, the danger that's there, you know, there's not really leadership. Um, and you know, every man is doing what's right in his own eyes, which we all know is not a good thing. Right. And it's, it's really very close to right before Kings begin to rule yes. in, in Israel. So Saul is not King yet, but he's, he's about to be, um, he's about to kind of take over and we'll see that when we get to the later portions of the chapter because of the, the lineage. Of the does it tell the lineage in the last chapter? Yes. It's okay. like the last verse, but also on top of that. There's a famine mm-hmm. in Bethlehem, which is what what it was like. The house of bread is what Bethlehem means. I don't remember. And so kind of hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're in not good shape. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a famine going on there, and Naomi, uh, who was the husband wife to Elimelech, uh, who has died, has decided to leave uh, Bethlehem and move to Moab. Well, and hold on, just one second, right there. Elimelech, top tier name. Rolls off the tongue, best name in the Bible other than Jesus. All right, we're going to continue on. <laughs> we're going to keep going. Elimelech is a cool Just had to make that point. Uh, I did. It, it had to be made. So uh, Naomi has two daughters-in-law um, who are Orpah and Ruth. Uh, they had married her sons, uh, but her sons had uh, passed away and died. I don't think it says how they died, uh, but they're gone. And so... Naomi has decided to return to Bethlehem uh, from Moab, where where her family has has perished. Uh, so she came in rich, uh, evading a famine, and she went back poor. Uh, and she makes that clear and, and kind of defines her sorrows and has her name changed to Mara, uh, meaning uh, God has dealt bitterly with me. So at this point, she she excuses her daughters in law, uh, tells them to go back to their homelands. Uh, and to, to be with their families and, and to marry other men and, and such like that. Um, one of the, the daughters-in-law, Orpah, decides to go ahead and take her up on that and, and go back to her homeland. Uh, but Ruth does not. So Ruth sticks, uh, she, she sticks with Naomi and she's very loyal to her. Uh, she acts as a servant to her and, and expresses her servitude to Naomi and, and shows a bit of her character, uh, which is really strong and humble and, uh, and it shows a character of agape love and that she, she wants to serve. She wants to be a servant and give of herself. Uh, do you guys have anything to add to that as we discuss the character of Ruth? Well, just uh, to start off, 
one of my one of my favorite verses that I I think really you know it's it's a famous verse and I it's for it's famous for a reason it's a beautiful verse it's because Ruth she she speaks to she's talking to her her uh, you know mother in law and when she says you know go home she says no and then she says Ruth says to Naomi. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. That's actually inscribed on my wallet because Emma got that as a gift for me to, you know, she she uh, she knows that I she knows that I really like that verse, and it's also it's it's not like it's obviously it's not a romantic verse in in context, but it is a a measure of the devotion and the love that Ruth had for Naomi. Uh, because she she says you know I'm gonna forsake everything and I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you and and part of the reason that there, there's obviously a connection between uh, between Naomi or, or Mara and and Ruth and Orpah because they're they're all very sad to to leave they they, they talk about how they weep and, and you know Naomi has to say it to to both of them twice like before Orpah finally decides to leave and and, and Ruth. Um, you know, she leaves. She she decides not to leave, uh, and and you know she makes a case to Ruth. Naomi makes a case to Ruth. You know, what are you gonna you gonna wait around until I have more sons? Even if I had a husband right now and we're pregnant right now, are you gonna wait around until they grow up to to marry them? And uh, you know, trying to make trying to drive them off. And then Naomi is actually angry with Ruth. Because she won't leave, and uh, you know Ruth makes that statement of love to her, and, and Naomi uh, stops talking. To well, her. I think Naomi does it out of a place of love, right? She's like, I, I have nothing left for you. You know, yeah. go live your life. Yeah, she does. But but when when Ruth says no, I'm sticking with you. I love you. You're my you're my mother. You know, uh, Naomi is is upset. Well, and a part of why she wanted Ruth to go so bad, and what was her name, Oprah? Yeah. One reason that she wanted them to go away so bad is so that they could find, you know, a companion on their own. Because otherwise, you know, Ruth is with Naomi now. And like we said, it's not a good environment to be just two women on your own. And Naomi knew that. Ruth knew that, which just speaks to her even more. Um, But, you know, she wanted her two daughters-in-law to be safe, to be happy with a man if they could find one. but it just speaks even more that Ruth is willing to go through with being with Naomi, even though she knew the risks. Yeah, and and the name change between so Naomi's name means pleasant, uh, which just just speaks to the level of her sorrow, like like you mentioned, Caleb. So her name initially meant pleasant, and uh, you know she she suffers all this because her husband dies in Moab, and then her two sons die in Moab, and you know she's. She says at the end of the chapter, you know, I, I came full and I leave empty. And so don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Uh, like, like you said, Caleb. So, so she suffered quite a bit and, and Ruth is trying to, to show her love and, and does, but Na- Naomi is, or Mara is pretty bitter by this point, uh, because of the, the losses that she's suffered. And so she, she's upset with Ruth for a little bit that we, that we, we see. But also, I feel like also it's easy to read that, that, that Mara at this point in time is bitter, uh, because of what had happened to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it honestly gives me vibes of Job, um, of all things that happened to him. But it 
whenever I first read this and I saw that she was bitter because of the things that happened, uh, because of the things that, you know, that the Lord had let happen to her in her life, it, it made me take a step back for a minute. But then I was like, well, at the same time, she's grieving. Yeah. And I, you know, when you're grieving, you don't always say necessarily things you mean. So or, it's, it's easy to read that and think, well, maybe she's not as righteous. But right. in reality, she's also grieving the loss of a husband and two and children. Sons. Yeah. Not, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint her in any kind right, of right. way. I, I think that, I think that, you know, even when, when you are grieving, it's very possible for you to say things and mean them at the time. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of, you know, you, you move through it a little bit, you look back on it and say, I didn't really mean that, uh, even though I, I meant it at the time, or, or maybe I said it and I didn't mean it. I was just like you said, grieving. So that, that's, that's really the first chapter is, it's a, it's super quick. You know, sometimes the Bible goes very in-depth with stories. And, you know, it talks about, like, it'll it'll take chapters to get through, you know, 10, 15 years. And then this one, it's like one chapter. And we've seen, who knows, at, ten, at, at the very least, 10 years pass very quickly. So uh, Ruth is, it's, and then it's as, fast as you paced. See, it is fast paced. It's only four chapters long. I think that it's, you know, this is one of the few books that come to mind when I think of actual good divisions for chapters. <laughs> like, honestly, it, st- it ends the first chapter at a perfect spot to go into the next, and the second chapter ends for the third, and then to the fourth. I- well, I will I will say, like, with, with regards to that, like, people who were trying to divide up Paul's letters had a difficult time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul's letters were like, yeah. they flowed very well. And so dividing that up into chapters is difficult. But there's some chapters that end with, and he said. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised, I mean, they didn't, I'm surprised they didn't do the chapter break in the middle of a word. Like, <laughs> and he said. And he said. <laughs> Anyways. But anyway. Ruth, um, Ruth is very fast-paced. And as we're getting, like you guys said, to the break of this chapter, uh, the context is that um, Naomi is back in Bethlehem, and uh, Ruth is living with her, and she... Naomi has decided that in order for Ruth to be safe, because she's concerned about her, she'll go and live with the women uh, of a man named Boaz. He has a family and a farm that he, not necessarily family, but he has like a, a farm that he's running and he's got servants and, and uh, men and women that he houses there. And so she tells Ruth to go live with the women uh, in Boaz's fields. And so she does, not to live with them, I'm sorry, <laughs> but to uh, to be with them, to work with them. And then it says that she lived with Naomi, her mother-in-law. So that's kind of how the, the chapter ends out. And then in the next chapter, uh, I believe Ruth meets Boaz. And uh, who did we, who was going to go over? Brandon's going to go over chapter two for us. Yeah. So going straight into chapter two, it starts off with uh, introducing Boaz, which, like I said just a second ago, the the chapter divides, or I really like the chapter divides here because chapter one really isn't the happiest chapter. I mean, it's it's depressing at times, and it's sad for Naomi. She wants her two daughters to go away. Basically, she wants to be on her own, really. And then it goes straight into uh, Boaz, and uh, you know, really of who Boaz is. It says he's a worthy man. Um, the name or whose name was Boaz. So it introduces Boaz and Ruth um, says to Naomi, who she's with, 
to let her go into the field, to let her glean among the ears of grain. Uh, I don't have the clearest understanding on what gleaning is. Could be one of so, better... gleaning, from my understanding, is, you know, the harvesters would go through and they would try to get all the, all of the, the produce. I don't know a better word to use. All of the harvest. They would try to get as much of the harvest as they could, but they inevitably would, they wouldn't get everything on the first go round. And so gleaning was this practice that is the children of Israel used that they would allow people to come, like especially the poor, they would allow the poor to come in behind and I think get like 10% or Isaac, do you know what the percentage was? Mm, I don't know the percentage, but I think it was also like whatever was dropped, they could have free access right. to. Right. So they gleaned and they, they, what gleaning was, was basically getting the leftovers, kind of the scraps. Uh, they were, and the children of Israel were were required to leave a portion on the stock so that is it the corners? Yeah, for the express purpose of the poor to be able to have food. Hmm. So that's that's what that's what Ruth is doing here. Okay, that would be kind of like us leaving some groceries on the porch or something. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, it. One thing that I heard was that it wasn't specified on how much they had to leave, and so depending on the person. They could leave two, you know, just two mm-hmm. for the people. Or they could leave a plentiful amount if, you know, they're feeling generous and they're filled with love and all these different types of things. But anyways, um, <clears throat> Ruth asked Naomi if she can, uh, can go and glean um, among the ears of grain. And Naomi ultimately says, yes, go. And so she goes and something that I read was when it says in verse 3 that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. I think just the phrasing of that maybe is what made me think of this, but the idea of she just happened to makes me think that, you know, maybe, you know, it wasn't she just accidentally did. Maybe she was sort of led to that, where you guys think. Because Could be. the idea of just happening to go to this place that just happened to be run by a relative, um, which is, you know, something that they're seeking, not only just a man to be there to help them, but a relative to help them as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it does say that um, Naomi did say, we're going to go when you're going to go into Boaz's field, you know, so it, it, it says happened, but it may not have been just like a, a random when does thing. It say that? Well, so, so verse In two the... says, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him. In whose sight I shall find favor. So it doesn't sound like she. So I, it honestly that one's. I mean, it seems as though. I don't know. Honestly, it does say happened. Though she kind of like it was an accident. Yeah. She just so happened to come into the uh, the field belonging to Boaz, who is of the clan of Eliminate. Uh, other not flaw the time. A much it older. So good. A much older uh, King James translation. Uh, says, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. So it sounds with purpose in that translation. Uh, her hap means that is accident. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Edit. Unforeseen Edit. meeting or event. Fortune. Hmm. I mean, Isaac, it, what do you think? That's strange. Um, I didn't really give that a when I read it. It just kind of seemed like she was just gleaning around fields and she she happened upon this one that just so happened to be someone that 
uh, her mother-in-law was related to, and that's kind of where the story takes off. I won't say there wasn't, like, divine intervention that led her there, but... Yeah. And maybe in her eyes, they're just kind of like, oh, I was at this field today. And I don't, same, I don't think this was the first time the she did time. this. And I think that was why Naomi was surprised when she came back with a whole bunch of stuff. And she was like, I, I got this at Boaz's field. And she says, oh, well, you need to go there more often. <laughs> maybe they just leave out all of the other places where Boaz wasn't. Maybe. Well, you know, what would make sense, though, is... So they're, they're relatives, right? Elimelech and Naomi were relatives to Boaz. So it would make sense for their properties to be near each other, especially in this period of time. Yeah. Families did not move very yeah. far away from each other. Like, and especially in the type of, the type of country that Israel was at this point in time was very, very much a community. I mean, God's laws make it a community. Like, that's why they leave stuff out for the poor. That's why they yeah. take care of each other the way they do. And so families really, this in this period of time, did not move away. Like, we're 45, me and Emma are 45 minutes from her parents. That that would not, and that's because the distance is great, you know. That's driving. They would be, yeah, that's driving. So, like, that would be an eternity away in yeah. this period of time. They didn't, that was not a common practice in this period of time. They lived close to each other. So it would make sense that Ruth probably had been to Boaz's field before, maybe, and just, you know, had Boaz hadn't seen her at this point. I mean, that is very, true. Very possible. I want to piggyback off of you know that kind of idea of everything being community. Going into verse four, when Boaz uh, goes, I guess into his field, he says, "The Lord be with you," and everybody that was there responds with, "The Lord bless you." Now, Boaz is like the boss, right? Yeah. Now, just imagine you go to work and your boss comes out and says, "The Lord be with you." And all the employees. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, even if they're not all believers, like, just the fact that he would go out every day and say things like that. He was a good leader, kind of leader, a godly man. Yeah, just goes to speak more about him, and, you know, maybe that could lead somebody to Christ, maybe not, but at the same time, it got them to respond in that way with, uh, the Lord bless you. And so, I, I don't know, I think that just speaks to more of who he is, because I think, we've, you know, we've all had jobs to where we've had good bosses and bad bosses and how, you know, that can totally bring the morale of the whole situation down. Mm-hmm. So this guy's a good boss. He's a good, you know, leader for the people. He It sounds like he makes the people want to be there around him. Um, but he goes on to say, whose young woman is this? Talking about Ruth. And the servant who he asks says, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Um, and uh, it kind of seems like she is, you know, whenever I was, whenever we were talking about it, it kind of seemed like she would just kind of hang off to herself a little bit. But she's, you know, she's in eyesight of other people to where other people can see her working. Right. Um, and obviously Moab, or not, not Moab. Boaz could see her working. What were you saying? Well, you, you got to remember that Moab was an enemy of Israel for a long, long time. So right. to see yeah, that yeah. this enemy or a descendant of enemies is in your field, I mean, she probably felt a little bit of an outsider. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if that's why uh, Elimelech and her son, Naomi's sons, died because they were in Moab. It doesn't seem as though they were killed. I mean, it doesn't say. It, it doesn't just says say. they were 
right. But, but it kind of it, it kind of alludes to that enemy type uh, relationship whenever it says that she left her people. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Because her people probably were not her people at this point because mm-hmm. she left them. And a lot of times that ended up with disowning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're gonna oh, you're gonna go be with them. You're gonna go worship this God. Well, you're disowned from this God, which still happens today, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also um, see the way the Israelites treated treated like the Samaritans in the New Testament. They did they were not fans of outsiders <laughs> at any in any way. Well, there there is a there is a reason right. for that. I mean, we we can go into all that yeah, another we'll, time. We'll but. continue going into that. But um, basically, the servant tells Boaz who she is. Boaz goes to Ruth and uh, says to her, "Do not." Uh, do not go to glean another field. Stay in this one. He also goes on to say that I told all the young men here not to touch you. They're going to leave you alone. When you're thirsty, you know, go get a drink. Um, and Ruth is kind of shocked by this. She, she's, you know, why are you doing all these things for me? Why are you treating me in such a good way? She says, why have I found favor in your eyes since I am a foreigner? Which is literally what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Boaz, you know, he answers... All that you've done, everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, you know, everything she's been through, everything that you've done for her tells me pretty much all I need to know about. That it tells me the kind of person that you are, how you left your father and mother and your native land to come be with other people you don't know, to be in a place that you've never been before. It tells me all that I need to know about you. And it goes on, even he continues to give her more favor and more favor. He says at at that meal time, Boaz said to her, "You know, come over here, eat, you know, eat some bread, uh, drink with us. Have you know, come and have a meal with us." And so that's what she does. She goes over there. Uh, she has a meal with them. Uh, he Boaz talks to his young men again. You know, earlier it says that he commanded them, you know, don't touch her, leave her alone. And he goes and instructs to his young men again. Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Pull, uh, but also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So does that, that kind of rubs off in, you know, on me as, you know, kind of help her yeah. in this yeah. situation, you know, help her. But also he, you know, he pulls them aside almost to say this because you think if you're in Ruth's situation, you don't, you know, you might not necessarily want help from everybody. Um, so, you know, Help her out, you know, do some things for her. So the way that Boaz is treating Ruth is just full of, you know, love and respect for her, for the things that she's done. He's very uh, smooth. For the, for the way that she's acted. He's you very what? smooth. Yes, <laughs> very smooth. <laughs> and the, I don't know, we might see some of that later in the chapter or in the, in the, in the book. Um, then she goes home. She took, she took it up, uh, and she went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had. Um, her mother-in-law, you know, asked her, you know, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Where have you been? Who did you see? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. So actually kind of now that I'm reading that, it kind of sounds like she's been to other places. Mm-hmm. Blessed is the man that took notice of you, maybe because there's, she's been to other places where people haven't taken notice of her. Um, and she told uh, Naomi exactly who it was, that it was Boaz. She told him, she told her, you know, what Boaz did. 
May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Um, then Naomi says her, this man is a relative of ours. He's a close relative. Um, one of what, what does it mean, the living or the dead? Is it is she referring to probably her husband like and herself kids. in a sorrowful way or what? Uh, so I think what you say? I think it's referring to her husband and her children that have passed on. You know, the Lord is still showing yeah. kindness to it's, those that are like gone. A, you know, protecting their family. A terminology for like her widowing. Yeah, yeah. He's saying that you know, that she, Naomi is saying you know he's been kind to. He's, he was kind. To, he's kind to us, and he was kind to. He hasn't stopped being kind, right. even though our kin is, you know, the, is gone. The family yeah. connection is gone. He's known as a good person, a generous, throughout. kind man. Yes. Um. So then, the, this chapter ends with you know her gleaning more. Her going into the field it ends with she kept close to the young woman, which is what Naomi wants her to do. She, you know, again, they know what kind of air, you know, what kind of uh, time it is. Um, it's, you know, she says, lest in another field you be assaulted. So Naomi knows the kind of people. She knows that people can fail and mess up. So Ruth uh, does keep close to the young woman of Boaz gleaning, and she continued to live with her mother-in-law there. We come to chapter three, and to really understand what's going on in this chapter, we kind of have to go into some backstory uh, and some uh, historical you know, cultural conversation. Uh, So basically in Jewish law and in this culture, if a woman was married to a man and they had no children and he passed away, the law stated that she was to marry, kind of marry the brother so that he could give her a son to take care of her because it was the men taking care of the women, uh, including sons, which is where you get the story of uh, the Pharisees coming to Jesus and asking, you know, if a woman marries a man and he dies, he marries her brother, he dies, she marries her brother, he dies, you know. Uh, right. seven, seven yeah, the seven brothers. Um, that's kind of where that comes from, is that law that that's going on here. So uh, Ruth's husband's brother was already dead, so she had to be married to the next living kin in order to uh, raise a family in her husband's name so that the family line could be uh, continued on. And that's kind of Naomi's plan here with Boaz. And she's, she basically tells Ruth, look, Boaz is a close relative of ours. Uh, make yourself look nice, clean up a little bit and go, uh, see him tonight. Um, and it's kind of a weird story. This is kind of where it gets weird, but I don't think it's that weird. I think it's just a different cultural perspective. Um, but basically he's, Boaz is working, he's eating, he's drinking, he goes to bed, kind of sleeps where he works, I guess, and Ruth comes in and lays at his feet, uncovers his feet and lays there, which means basically to like lifted up his robe over his feet and laid down on top of them, I guess, and he he wakes up and sees her there. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that is kind of weird, but it's not weird in a weird way, it's weird because it's just... Just keeping his toes. I've never laid on some necessarily... Yeah, I I, I kind of see it like you know how like a dog sleeps at the foot of the bed, kind of like that. I, I'm not saying she's a dog, but like yeah, that, I she kind of saw herself in that place, like a subservient well, just role. Being at the feet of others is yeah. a sign of respect. Yeah. 
one. Yeah. And we can kind of get into some, like Brandon, you're referring to. It's not weird, weird. We can kind of get into that as as we go through the chapter because there are some assumptions about this chapter that I think are incorrect. Yeah, some people say it's uh, a sexual thing that she like when it says feet, it means all the way up to his hips uh, and laid down on him. And I just I don't think that's accurate, uh, especially. Some people take that drinking literally. You what? You know, get him drunk. Some people take that drinking literally, get him drunk, and then go, go. Yeah, which I mean, I don't think that's the case in the slightest. At at the very least, it's you know to at least make him not full. Well, but it also says he he went to sleep and he didn't wake up till midnight. You know, nothing went on between there because he was asleep. Right. Well, well, go go on, Isaac. We'll let you get to the end of the chapter and we'll kind of break it down. Okay. Well, Boaz wakes up at midnight, like Caleb said, and he is startled. And he, he says, you know, who is this? Who's there? Can't Obviously can't see. There's no lights anywhere. And she she tells him who she is. I'm Ruth. You know, I'm your maidservant. I want to be your wife, basically. That's why I'm here. And he, I think he shows a lot of self-control because, uh, Naomi and Ruth both kind of believe that they're that she is supposed to be married to Boaz, but Boaz understands that there's another man who is in closer relation uh, to Naomi that she should, by law, be married to. But he he tells her, "Look, uh, there's another guy. You, you know, you're a very virtuous woman. Your reputation is well known as a virtuous woman." You know, I'm not going to do anything to you or hurt you or anything, but there is another guy that is closer, a closer relative than I am. I'll talk to him uh, and we'll see what kind of arrangement can be made. If he decides to fulfill his duty and become your husband, so be it. If he doesn't, I will. And then he has her leave with uh, a shawl uh, full of barley to take home to her mother-in-law Naomi and Ruth basically goes home to Naomi and says you know this is what he said there's another man he might be he might need to fulfill his role and become my husband but he's going to talk to her about it and Naomi just another uh way that we know Boaz is a good man Naomi says uh sit still my daughter until you know how the matter will turn out for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day like he's going to get this done right now <laughs> mm-hmm. right so part of the reason i i really think that that this shows i mean it i don't think anything happened between them is because it said part of it is he says she lay at his feet until the morning and then she left and she left early because she didn't want anybody to to see mm-hmm. her, uh, and he didn't want anybody to see her. Not because I think anything bad happened, but because I think they didn't want any appearance. They of wanted evil. to, right? They wanted to avoid the appearance of evil. Yeah, um, and, and he also, you know, he says in, in three and verse eleven, you know, I will do all that thou requires for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. So he says, everybody knows you're a virtuous woman. Everybody knows that Boaz is a virtuous man. They're they're not going to do anything. To ruin that. I don't think they did anything sinful. And Brandon made a good point before we were, you know, recording. He said that the Bible is not shy about telling us when people commit sin. Yeah. And this this story, as we're going to see, is about it is a is about a, the lineage that leads to David, one of the greatest men of God 
that, that the, the Bible tells us about. You know, so his his lineage is important, and it, I really don't think his lineage is included or perpetuated by an act of fornication. Which that's I mean that's exactly what would you know that's exactly what would be included here. And God is not shy about punishing fornication. Got in in the Old Testament. I mean, it happened to David. I mean, exactly. That's kind of where I was. That's kind of where I was going. We we know that David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and God punishes him for it. And so, I really think that the Bible will tell us if there was, it, yeah, sin the Bible is going to call out David. Why wouldn't it call out Ruth? Right. The Moabite, the the Moabite who it mentions as the Moabite almost every single like right. so many times throughout this chapter. Right. I, and I will say, I think. Um, oh, and I just completely lost what I was going to say. Oh, I will say. Uh, young ladies, uh, probably not a good idea to get a man like this in today's world. <laughs> I know Ruth did it, but... I mean, she scared him. <laughs> she did scare him. Well, That would scare me if somebody just too, starts yeah. touching my feet in the middle of the night. Touching my feet. <laughs> it, says, it says it scared him, which, yeah. honestly, every time I read that, I laugh. But, because I'm just picturing him... Just waking up from what being scared. <laughs> Who's here? He's all fat and happy after eating. He wakes up, and there's this woman... Just tickling uh, his feet. Sleep of his life. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing that that, that wouldn't happen to me because uh, I would be like going for my gun beside <laughs> my bed. I'd be like, "Where's my gun?" <laughs> this is how Emma got me to. Be she, she Emma's like, "It's just me." <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Who's this young lady on but, my toes? But yeah, it, this story I don't think shows shows any anything inappropriate between Ruth yeah. and Boaz. I think that if. The, I think the people that uh, take it that way want to take it that way. Right. I, 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 if you look at the things around it, it just it doesn't make sense. Right. A virtuous man and a virtuous woman. I, I really don't think that there was any kind of anything inappropriate that happened here. Especially when we consider chapter four, which is Boaz kind of fulfilling his promise to Ruth. The very next day, he goes into the the gate of the city um, and he meets with. He meets with the relative who is nearer in relation to Naomi and Elimelech. And, um, you know, he, he basically calls the elders and he says, hey, you know, we've got a matter to settle. And he says, he asks the relative, do you want to buy this land that used to belong to Elimelech and belongs to Naomi? And the relative is like, yeah, I'll buy that land. And he says, well, before you buy it, just know that if you buy it, there's also responsibility that comes with it, which is marrying Ruth, the Moabite, and uh, and and he says, and so the the kinsman, the kinsman's like, I don't want any part of that. You can do it for me. He, he gives him permission, and so uh, he takes his shoe off and gives it to Boaz. Which uh, there's this is I, I read a couple of commentaries. One is this is like basically you know how. There were symbol. There wasn't like documents that they signed to, to pass the property over. Would they walk across the entire land? Also, uh, that I, on their feet, kings would walk across the land to kind of like proclaim it as their own. Like you know how like you open the backyard for the first time, and your dog runs around the fence and runs around everything, and you know pees on trees to claim it. <laughs> like like not necessarily just like that, but they would walk through the land to. Set it as their own, mm. which they I think different it, customs. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of it's not the exact same thing, but it's giving a sandal. It's you know, right. I think it's more, like a ceremonial thing, like giving the key to somebody's house. Like when you buy a house, you used to you would get the key for it or something. 
Maybe it's so you have something to show for it. Like, look, I've I've got his uh, his shoe. seal of approval. I have a that, possession of his, which is exactly. a, like a signature of so his. So he gives him a shoe back, I think. But he does this yeah. in front of everybody, and it's like a it's, it's like a public a, sign. It's a public sign that you can have this responsibility. Um, there is a law that I don't know if this applies to this kinsman because it's concerned. Like, there's a law that was talking about if a man is unwilling to fulfill the obligation of raising up his uh, raising up children to his brother, then you're supposed to draw your shoe off and the woman spits in your face. Yeah. But I don't know if he was that close. It doesn't say he was a Limelech's brother, so maybe maybe this law doesn't apply to him. Maybe um, maybe Ruth decides not to spit in his face. I don't think the drawing off of the shoe is indicative of that law being fulfilled. I think it's a sign of, because I, I, I don't think he's a near enough kinsman for that law to apply to him. I think this is a, a ceremony of saying, you can take this responsibility. It's it's yours now. I don't I don't want to do it. It's you know you can go ahead and all good. Well, it was kind of which again speaks. It, to it was kind of like uh, signing a contract for the deed to your house with a notary or the elders there to witness it. Right. That's that. That's kind of what I was saying. Like the, getting the key to your new house. So, um. So that again speaks to the character of Boaz because he goes through the exact right way that he's supposed to do this. He doesn't do this any kind of shady way. He does this the way that he is supposed to do it uh, in front of everybody. He he presumably he's probably like the magister or magistrate of this city, so he has quite a bit of authority. So he probably could have just done it himself for himself, but he decides to go ahead and do this in the right way. He doesn't act as judge for himself in his situation. He lets the other elders of the city do that, and uh, he he marries Ruth. So he he purchases this land from Naomi, and it also says in. Uh, Romans, or sorry, Romans, Ruth 4 and verse 10, it says, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahalon, have I purchased to be my wife. And, he, you know, he's going to raise up the name of the dead, meaning he's going to continue the family line uh, through his own body. And they go and they, uh, you know, they, they bless they bless uh, Ruth and, and Boaz, and they say, you know, let, let your house be like Rachel and Leah, who, who built up Israel, and, you know, let you be like Tamar, who, who or Judah. So I mean, those are pretty big compliments. Yeah, yeah. They they give them big compliments. Let your family be successful, which it is. It, it does go on to be very successful. So Ruth and Boaz they get married, uh, and and uh, she conceives, has a son whose name is is Obed. Um, and I think this portion here is really interesting. Huh? Interesting. Ruth four and verse fourteen says, and the woman and the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name be, may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to be thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. Uh, and then they gave the name, the, ch- the name of the child is revealed to us to be Obed. And his he is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. So Ruth begin, so we'll just go through the genealogy real quick. Ruth 4.18 says, Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs beget Hezron, and Hezron beget Ram, and Ram beget Aminadab, and Aminadab beget Nashon, and Nashon beget Salmon, and Salmon, 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 beget Boaz, and Boaz beget Obed, and Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David. So, sorry. The genealogy is important here, though, because Boaz fathers the grandfather of David. 
So Boaz is the great-grandfather of David, the king of Israel, who eventually, through David's lineage, we see Jesus. So this... It's like a plot twist, almost, on this story. Yeah. Like, all this story, and then... And oh, yeah. from her, Jesus is going to come. Yeah. So, so this that's the story of Ruth. Ruth's story is, you know, this woman, who is an outsider, she gets married to an Israelite man who dies, and then she decides to stay with the mother, her mother-in-law, who she decides to take as her own mother, basically. She's her family. They go back. They meet, you know, Ruth meets Boaz, who treats her very kindly. He's a very upright man. He allows her to, he supports her through her poverty. And then Naomi decides, hey, you need to go and, and marry him. So they kind of scheme up this little plot to marry uh, Ruth and Boaz. It works. Boaz goes about it the exact right way. And then eventually, Boaz and Ruth get married. And through that marriage, David is born. Uh, eventually, David David is, is born through Obed and Jesse and and so we, we see the genealogy of, of Jesus is revealed to us, or, or a small part of it. So I, I think that's a pretty good area to end, because that, that's the story of Ruth. And we're going to get, in, in our next episode, we're going to get into what does Ruth mean to us? You know, what, what can we learn from Ruth? And I, I think there's several things that we can learn. And uh, just, just a teaser is Boaz is, is not, he's not just a, we don't see a lot of flaws from Boaz. And I, there, there's a specific type of person that oftentimes we read about in the Old Testament, particularly that a lot of flaws aren't revealed to us in that individual, and that's because they are a type of Christ. And we're going to get into that next episode. So let, let's go ahead and end there. Um, we can keep recording, but Isaac, this is a yeah. cut. So uh, go ahead, and, and Isaac, if you want to start our, our outro, and then Caleb can end it. Okay. Until the next episode, I'm Isaac. I'm Ryan. I'm Brandon. And I'm Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the King's Advocate Podcast.